Welcome to Eat, Capture, Share, the podcast for food bloggers, food lovers, and everyone in between. My name is Kimberly. I'm your host. Episode three. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Eat, Capture, Share podcast. So delighted that you're here tuning in. Um, and I'm really, really excited about bringing you today's episode. I'm speaking to Nina from Nourish Atelier, and as you're listening to this recording, uh, you should know that this is the first time we've actually ever spoken to each other. We've been friends on Instagram for years, and we've DM'd each other a hundred times, but this was really the first time we got to speak, and I mentioned this because... I think there's so many negativity around Instagram, but it's also a great place to connect to people that you have something in common with. And for Nina and I, food and our passion for photography is definitely something that brought us together. I'm really excited to be sharing this um, interview because Nina's so passionate and knowledgeable about food and photography, and then she's got this whole art background as well. But the main reason I wanted to bring her on the show was really for her to talk through her um, kind of cookbook publishing career and how that all came about. I really wanted her to share her knowledge, her experience, and her insight because I know Lots of you listening dream about um, publishing your own cookbook. So if that's you, this is definitely an episode worth listening to. Now, without further ado, here is Nina. Nina, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I am over the moon that you're here as one of my very first podcast guests and uh, here on Eat, Capture, Share. So thank you, first of all, for coming to hang with me. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm so happy to be one of the first guests on your podcast. And yeah, let's, let's just hit it. Let's hit it. Yeah. So I know who you are. I've been following you for years, but there may be people listening who've not come across your work. So would you um, be so kind as to introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course. Um, well, I'm Swedish. I'm a cookbook author. Uh, I've published three books. Uh, the first one is Bowls of Goodness. Second one is Veggie Burger Atelier. And the third one is Feasts of Veg. And it's uh, the two last ones are published this year. And Bowls of Goodness came in 2017. So I'm living in Amsterdam. And uh, I've worked with food magazines for about, say, 15 years plus. Mm -hmm. So I'm not super young, but I'm wise. <laughs> of course. Yes. And you still look great because I didn't realize that you had been working in magazines for 15 years. So um, well, I also should probably say that I have an Instagram account called Nourish Atelier. And I think that's where most people know me from. Yeah. Because everybody's basically on Instagram these days. Yes. And uh, Nourish Atelier is connected to my blog, uh, nourishatelier.com. And on top of that, I'm also a regular contributor to a travel magazine in Sweden. And I do travel features and guides and contribute to different magazines. Wonderful. So from what you're saying, you uh, do a lot around food because you're obviously a, food, um, a cookbook author, but also travel. How do you, where do you see the link between those two? Well, actually, my kind of uh, drive is... Um, 
I'm not that focused on one uh, subject or one career path. I've always thought, you know, a little bit like in the Renaissance, that it's fun to be creative. So for me, it's sort of like cultural arts, food and travel. That's my passions. And instead, it's sort of like I like um, to support ethical businesses, to travel consciously, uh, live a sustainable life. I'm... Uh, I have a lot of drives and visions and it can be applied on lots of different areas in life. And I'm just like sharing inspiration and doing things that I love to do, being creative. Wonderful. So it's hard for me because I, I don't want to be labeled, but of course I am a cookbook author, a yeah. travel writer, an art director and a blogger. <laughs> so it's quite a few hats. Quite a few, yes. And um, with that, I'd love to know how your love for food kind of developed. Is this something that you came to later in life? Is this something that you've been taught and have felt a connection towards since childhood? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, actually, I wasn't taught. My mom uh, wanted to own her own kitchen domain and she thought that uh, the kids were a little bit too messy and messing up her <laughs> kitchen. So I was kind of ob obnoxious and jumped into the kitchen myself as a teenager uh, because cooking was really one of my first passions. Mm -hmm. And um, I was that kind of uh, young home cook who wanted to learn different techniques. I wanted to master sort of different sauces and stews and uh I was quite an ambitious young <laughs> home cook. So um, I did kind of have the drive myself and I would uh, use uh, cookbooks to uh, recreate dishes that I like or ask uh, friends of our family to scribble down recipes of uh, dishes that I liked when I was away at their house eating mm -hmm. and then I would take it home and cook. And, and there was a lot of disasters. <laughs> I, I wanted to learn the alchemy of flavors. I was really, really chasing that sort of dreamy bite that I had earlier on yeah. on a dinner that somebody else cooked. So definitely big love for cooking and food. You know, it's so interesting because I have all three of your cookbooks, actually. And if I have to kind of describe your style. I think the word that you used alchemy, you know, bringing all these different flavors together and kind of the sweet, the sour, the salty, and just balancing it out. Actually really quite complex stuff that just comes together beautifully. And so it's really interesting for me to hear how you got to that place. Like it all makes sense now, you know, having read your cookbooks, <laughs> it all kind of comes together. Now, can I ask, you grew up in Sweden, isn't it? Yes, yes, I grew up in Stockholm, okay. just outside of Stockholm, yeah, on the countryside. And then as I was a little bit uh, uh, older, I was all always in town, like say, like, like most teenagers, drawn into the city life. Yeah. And so did you grow up mainly eating Swedish food or from an early age did international cuisine make its way into you know, your tummy, as it were? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I think it's quite interesting because uh, how I see my life is like I really rolled with the food history, like the trends that came. So I was born in the beginning of the 70s. So I started out with something like a traditional Swedish food, like mm -hmm. we call it uh, Husmanskost. And that's sort of Hausmann cost, um, mm -hmm. 
regular man's food. So that was like potatoes, brown sauce, meatballs, like typical Swedish food. Yeah. But um, of course, like then came the 80s and then it was like pizzas, hamburgers, Italian, everybody in the world, in the Western world got the same sort of flooding of like tacos and sushi. So, you know, gone were the days of traditional food for most people in our kind of part of the world I think so I think I grew up like you know with MTV <laughs> tacos so like I don't have that sense of like oh my Swedish culture my meatballs or the Swedish uh, violin music or something no 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 I've, I'm definitely feeling uh, like most people in our our age or my age I'm actually much older than you I think <laughs> much <laughs> but, uh, we, we, we are sort of like um kaleidoscope of cultural references that mm-hmm. changed all the time so after the 80s of course then you had the 90s then i lived in london and then it's like all curries and bangladesh and turkish and you know and of course british food like yes so I, have, I have a lot of influences through the years and then then you had the millennium and then the huge wave wave of healthy food yeah. and then you had the vegetarian food the vegan food so uh yeah, that was basically a little journey. <laughs> yeah, so all of these things kind of from the sounds of it influenced you in terms of what flavors you were drawn to, what you experimented with. Am I getting that correctly? Absolutely. Then I think also what made it a little bit more special, apart from when I moved to London, I got this sort of um, passion to uh, investigate esoterical ingredients. I was living in Stoke Newington. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like uh, always popping into the natural health food store, buying seaweed and sort of like interesting ingredients. And so I was into health food quite early. This I'm talking about the early 2000 here, mm-hmm. or 97, 98 already. So uh, after that, I sort of rolled into eating just vegetarian food and as I came back to Sweden, I started to work at food magazines pretty soon. So then I think also I got so many different influences to process mm-hmm. that I think I left that sort of a bit mainstream cooking a bit to explore. And then in the end, I just had to make something out of it myself and hence the blog and uh, Instagram feed. Sorry to be interrupting your um, podcast experience, but I just wanted to let you know about my free Instagram food photography challenge. You can join for free by heading to thelittleplantation.co.uk forward slash Instagram hyphen photography hyphen challenge. By signing up and pre-registering, you um, can take part in the challenge you get free instagram photography tips styling tips and become part of my creative community i'd love for you to join now back to the podcast there was just too many ideas bubbling yeah, yeah. well actually that was going to be my next question i'd really oh. like, well actually first just I understand where your kind of passion for food came from. And then, you know, with that, when did your knowledge and, you know, experience with photography evolve, uh, you know, in terms of you then eventually taking pictures for Instagram? Yeah. Uh, Well, I did start off in art school. Um, So I did two years of like fine art foundation before I left for London. And then I did an uh, art and design 
BTEC course mm -hmm. and then I jumped into a bachelor degree for graphic and media design. So through those years I had steadily like photography courses and um, yeah, media design, uh, which in entails some styling, etc. But I think I started it really when I began to work because I quite immediately after my um, graduation uh, started to work for publishing and different magazines so I had like two three years as a designer and then I started to art direct and then you're kind of kind of like hands-on styling and you know trying to recreate a mood that you mm -hmm. promised your client so that's about let's say almost 20 years ago now wow and then how did you take that knowledge of food and photography and translate that into an Instagram account? Well, I think all these years that I was art directing, I was really keen on starting to photograph. I was already styling for many years and directing photographers. And I think one thing I would say to people who wants to uh, get ahead in and, and work for magazines, for instance, is to read a lot and look a lot at uh, styling not just the Instagram styling but how um, editorial stylist works mm -hmm. so you get a sense of the stories and the settings because I think a lot of the times like you know on Instagram we have sort of one post whereas in a magazine they go a little bit further to create yes. a, a scene or a setting or a different mood so you have a bigger variety yes. plus you have to think about uh, several pictures not being too similar and having a sort of tension in them so it's exciting to flip the pages yes I mean I kind of it sounds a little bit pretentious which is why I don't use the term but visual storyteller is actually I feel almost a better way to describe what I'm drawn to mm. so I love a gorgeous photo but I love it even more if there's a sequence of pictures that take me on a journey and it's almost that that you're kind of describing mm. uh, if I'm getting that correctly and uh, I think so that's the sort of the next level for a lot of Instagrammers because a lot of people are so bloody talented <laughs> and so good at what they do doing and I'm thinking because we're a bit limited with that one post yes telling it everything in one caption and one picture and so it would be nice to see a feature except from the stories is actually like that but something less um, uh, something less I mean with the stories function it sort of disappears I'd like to see more a portfolio like in the grid a sort of tying pictures together and I yeah. don't think that slide thing works really well either. It's just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But to be honest, I use, that's what I use my blog for then. And, you know, when I work with my students, I say, you know, maybe think with Instagram in terms of maybe a little bit more strategic about which one of the story parts you show. Yeah. But use your You're blog, right, actually. You know? Maybe I'm wishing too much. It's maybe good that just Instagram stays like a little teaser, you know? <laughs> yes, that's a good word. That's a good word. And the good is on the blog instead. Yes, exactly. Now, you started your Instagram and, I mean, you – kind of felt like it grew really quickly, um, exponentially. And I know that you have more than 100,000 followers. Can you tell me a little bit about how, you know, hitting that milestone felt? Um, I was really happy when I, uh, I, I, to be honest, I was really happy when I hit a thousand. 
<laughs> I was like, oh my God. And, you know, so then 5,000 and, you know, all those things. 100,000, that was like, yay, that's really nice. And I think it was a little bit weird because, you know, I didn't really intentionally work on my Instagram very much. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I didn't really have a strategy or I didn't go like, okay, let's uh, like you know, a hundred other uh, of accounts in, in uh, 10 minutes. And uh, I didn't have these kind of little strategies that I see a lot of people have. Yes. I, I sometimes didn't log in for a few days. And then I was like, whoops, you know, it's a lot, a lot of things happened here. And people were commenting like, you just disappear and you come back when you feel like it. And, and I was like, yeah, I mean, this, this is right crazy. But you know, that time is a little bit over. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like this was pre-algorithm. This I was pre-algorithm. Then, then things just rolled like a big snowball on its own. Yeah. Amazing. And can you talk me through the sort of steps that happened between you starting your Instagram account and then getting your first cookbook deal? Yeah. I think uh, actually one of the reasons, there were two reasons why I started the Instagram account. Mm-hmm. One was to uh, discuss pictures with clients for food magazines. Um, as a vegetarian, <laughs> I part of starting the Instagram was to, proving, to prove to some of my uh, co-colleagues at food magazines that um, plant-based food were so good that they would make a great cover and we didn't have to put meat on the cover or there. Um, The second reason why I started an Instagram account was because I always dreamt about making cookbooks. Mm -hmm. So that was actually one of the reasons why I started Instagram. So I didn't pursue any publisher or court um, or do anything uh, specific. I just kept on doing my thing and um, waited mm-hmm. so I, I, I must say I didn't really have like a specific approach to uh, get attention from them I just because in a way I also just wanted to be um, discovered for my own thing yes and I was already tied to different publishers through uh, the magazine work I did so I could have maybe gone that way too but I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to be one of everyone else. Yes. <laughs> and so kind of like be discovered on your own merit and not because yeah. you had some sort of connection. Oh, that makes total sense. It's, it's like that thing you go into a club and you just want that guy to, no, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we women, we take control. So that was a Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. But I love know, that analogy. Like that thing you just, you know, if you, if you get discovered, it's a certain feeling and, and you should be damn proud also if you get a book deal from going for it too. So I'm not saying that either one of them is better as an approach. But yeah, no, so I, uh, I just did my thing and waited. And uh, I was very surprised that it didn't take that long before I get, got contacted by a publisher. Mm-hmm. And then before I decided, I got contacted by two more wow. publishers. So uh, in the end, I could choose between three different publishers. That's amazing. Well, before you tell the story any further, can I ask, just because I did um, a live podcast, actually, um, 
last year uh, with Rita, I will, uh, I will link to uh, my live podcast episodes in the show notes. But um, it was also talking about how she got her cookbook deal. And it was probably one of the episodes that people, that my listeners were most excited about. Um, because I think deep down, most food bloggers, not all, but most food bloggers have this dream. Most foodies have this dream to mm. one day write their cookbook. Okay. And so, you know, bearing that in mind, do you have any advice now having gone through the process for people who want to be discovered or people who wish to write a cookbook? Any tips that you can share with our listeners uh, that might help them on their, their journey? I would say don't be afraid of showing your knowledge and um, keep your integrity and uh, follow your own path. I think uh, there's not so much point in copying other successful examples. Yeah. Uh, the more you show strength and uniqueness in your own um, path or in your own style, the more interesting you become. Because mm -hmm. I, I think... Um, we don't need like a lot of examples of the same kinds of books. There's, there's room for um, more unique and original uh, storytellers and, uh, and styles of food, definitely. So I would just say be, be steady and confident and um, try to think quality rather than quantity. Mm -hmm. So I would stay away from this kind of, panicky like I need a lot of followers so that they can see how loved I am yeah I think that's kind of repeller nowadays to mm -hmm. be too spammy or too eager uh I would just I would just suggest like to to really think about what you want and uh, create the kind of food you would like to make for your cookbook and um keep that confidence and if you want to be discovered for who you are, yeah, then put a lot of effort into the visuals, of course. Mm -hmm. But I mean, in a way also, never forget that it's not just about colorful food and it's not about rainbow-colored uh, impressions. Uh, in the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good photographer or stylist you are, you also need to be very interested in food. Yeah. Otherwise, your cookbook is going to get very bad <laughs> reviews, I yeah. think. And then, Actually, Nina, can I ask you something? It's maybe a two-part yeah. question. So one thing, again, I mentioned this in my live show, but I never offered an answer. Um, but the point I made was that if I go on Instagram, and I'm using Instagram as an example because that's kind of the, the platform that most of us are drawn to, mm. there's so much of the, the same you know, it's so much of people doing the same uh, foods, shooting in the same way. And you mentioned kind of being unique. So mm. part of my question is, how can one be unique? And mm. the second part of the question, which is something that came up in my community when I, when I told them I was interviewing you um, today was, you know, there are a million brownie recipes. There are a mm. million banana bread recipes. Mm. How do you ensure that your version is genuinely original? How, how do you make that unique original approach uh, stand out how, how do you achieve that mm, mm, very good question actually i think uh 
it's quite important when you're uh, uh, curating a collection of recipes for a cookbook to be a little bit well read also about what kind of food trends are happening mm -hmm. and uh, and also to, to creatively think about food and uh, take inspirations to create new recipes out of already existing popular dishes um, so it's a sort of like there's creative challenge there that you have to be ready to take mm -hmm. and in that sense you need to be reading a lot about food you need to be maybe read important um, publications like food and wine bon appetit mm -hmm. saveur definitely and read the the articles and the reportages from the most prominent food writers also because that means a lot too that you get in the right kind of ideas if you want to make it as a cookbook author uh, definitely when it comes to uh, originality it's hard to create a cookbook that's uh, hundred percent food that nobody ever heard about that it's yeah. so new that it hurts you know <laughs> I think that's that's like really difficult and you should give yourself a break you don't need that you need a, a balance you need a balance of popular recipes that people are liking at the moment maybe if something is really tired like it's been done like like let's say banana breads maybe we don't need more banana breads yeah but or brownies but there's always room for classics in a cookbook and i think it should be like a nice balance of recognizable lovable recipes then a few edgy new recipes that people didn't hear about yet yeah that they're going to be very curious about and for instance, those classics are very boring if you just do them totally classic. Yeah. So for instance, I'm doing a babka in my um, new book, Feast of Veg. And babka is, of course, nothing new. But I'm mixing up tahini with chocolate. And I know some other people did that too. But I'm also adding some orange zest. And so I'm nice. playing with the flavors. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you also can always look at the special diets like there's gluten-free people vegan people how can i make something new out of this swap one of the classic ingredients for something that fits the special diet people better and maybe it even makes this a lot more exciting maybe not <laughs> you have to test everything many times so yeah so uniqueness is also important in terms of instagramming i think mm -hmm. um you to, to get to cut through the noise and the clutter, I mean, we do get tired of seeing the same kind of imagery all the time. So I think one of the best things you can do is actually to try to find your own unique style. It's hard. It is. But it's going to be so much more enjoyable. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% unique, but, <laughs> but I'm striving. Well, for but you know, if I can... If I see your images, if I can recognize it from a mile away, I just know. So I think you are unique, and I think that is part of why you know, you've done so well. And I also think, actually, I'm working on trying to be more unique. <laughs> great, because we need that. You know, we don't need more of the same. We need people who are willing to be bold and to kind of take a, a left turn when everybody else is turning right and, and set a new tone. And well, I um, need to say, like, of course, there's loads of people being unique and original. It's not like everybody's total clones out there. So 
Uh, is there anybody that just jumps to mind to, for you who's really kind of pushing in a different direction or setting the tone or, or just doing things their own way that you can think of? Um, oh, there's quite a lot of them. I think uh, my friend Olivia from Adelaster Food Textures, she's got an amazing, um, she thinks like an art director and she's a great photographer and she's a great storyteller. Yeah. Um, I will link to her in the show notes. Yeah. And I think also Jessie Snyder from Faring Well. Love her. She's got a very strong realism in her pictures. So that's kind of fresh sometimes because a lot of people are decorating with flowers and, you know, so you yeah. have a little bit like different, uh, many people who stick to their thing very strongly. And I, and I like that. I mean, Jessie's pictures aren't, the pictures that pull me the most, but what I will say is her recipe development skills are like in a league of their own. And she's so creative yet so approachable. Like there isn't a single recipe that she's done where I'm like, oh my God, I could never do that. Like it's always like, oh my goodness, I could actually do that. Um, um, and, and I really love her style. Yeah, she's amazing. She's very genuine in her cooking as well. And the yes. ideas are always feeling like spot on and well thought out. And yeah. Just, and I just like her. I've never met her, but I just like oh, her. She's just rooting for her, you know? Yeah. So oh, thank you so much. I'll um, link to Jesse as well in the show notes. Now I've got two more questions before we bring the interview to a close. And one was you had those three cookbook deals. How, mm. you know, was it a feeling that, you know, sent you to go with one publisher over the other. How did you make that decision? Uh, well, actually, I didn't choose the biggest one. And um, uh, I chose my publishers based on a feeling. Mm -hmm. So I can't give you a very good advice on that. I just looked at what they published. I liked it. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going with you. Fantastic. Well, I think that is good advice to go with your gut, to listen mm -hmm. to your gut. I think that's really what you're saying. Yeah. And then the very last thing is when you held your cookbook in your hands, can you describe what that felt like? Oh, uh, yeah, that felt, of course, really lovely. I was so proud, but also a little bit like, oh my God, one year of work in my hand. <laughs> Here you are. It's sort of a little bit unreal feeling as well. But definitely, I use my own cookbooks all the time. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty content with them. Yes. Do you have a favorite recipe? Oh, that's really hard. Because, you know, I like almost all of them. It's really hard. No, I can't say. Aww. I can't say that. <laughs> no. And from all the books, do you feel that one of them is more you? So if a listener here is tuning in today and mm. they only have, you know, 20 pounds to spend, which of the three do you feel? Oh, really that's difficult. But, you know, balls of goodness will always uh, be uh, my first child. Yes. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Wonderful. So again, I will pop a link in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking out Nina's book, uh, link to Amazon uh, where people can uh, buy your book. Um, I should actually say that the last book, Feast of Veg, is really something to explore. It's a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the people who have browsed in it with me uh, is, are really stoked to cook from it because it's a little bit more 
uh, a foodie challenge book. <laughs> yes, I love it. I really, really love it. I love them all, to be honest. Yeah. Nina, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all your knowledge, your experience. It was lovely to chat. Before um, we call it a day, as it were, can you tell people where they can connect with you, where they can find you? Uh, yes, of course. Um, you'll find me, first of all, on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Norish Atelier. And I'm also available on my blog, uh, which is actually just being remade. So oh, exciting. Um, Norishatelier.com because I'm adding a shop and um, travel section. And yeah, I think that's about it. That's where you can connect with me. And your books are available everywhere, anywhere. Do you sell them via your blog or what's the best way to buy them? Uh, they are sold a little bit here and there, mainly Amazon Book Depository and uh, all the walk-ins, Waterstones, etc. And they're available in different languages. So for instance, Bowls of Goodness, I think is translated into eight different languages and you can buy them on different different uh, yeah in australia in, in the u.s or i don't know where all your followers are kimberly <laughs> we're international here yeah. <laughs> nina thank you so so much for your time and um really appreciate it thank you so much kimberly and, and big congrats by the way you thank you <laughs> Before I leave you, uh, firstly, I just wanted to say thank you so, so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'd also like to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by my free creative community, the Food Photo Insta Creative Community on Facebook, and I would love for you to join. I will pop the notes of how you can join uh, my creative community down in the show notes, so do go and check it out. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, it would mean so much if you can rate, review, and subscribe. All those things will help the podcast to grow and to reach the right audience. And yeah, you'd kind of make my day. All right. See you soon. Take care.